12 o'clock on the dot, TSN 1050. Garrett Wheeler with you. You can get at me anytime at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. The text is 105050. The email live at TSN1050.ca. The weekend is nigh. It's Fan Friday down at the Indy. Looks like the rain is holding off nicely. I'm going to see Ricky Gervais tomorrow night. Game of Thrones starts. Some GOT7 talk with Adam Proto. Coming up in about 10 minutes' time. Yeah, we're going there. It's bigger than anything else going on. We just pulverized, did surgery on the Blue Jays last hour. I mean, it's hard to get excited about the Blue Jays in the second half. I know that they've done some incredible things in recent years. um, And that the fan base has been galvanized. It's just, I just honestly, I feel like... People have been sold a false bill of goods when it comes to this team. We cannot sit here and say that they're a competitive ball club, they're pushing for a playoff spot, and all of that noise, and that even spin it back to the start of the year, that they were contenders when this front office refused to address the need in left field, depth of starting pitching, a backup catcher, it's the worst outfield in Major League Baseball, not bringing back Edwin Encarnacion. The list goes on and on and on about ways that this team was not strengthened at a time that it could have been. And if it was the case that this front office actually believed in this group, they would have, one, strengthened, and two, now that they're six games below five they'd ask themselves, well, what's gone wrong? And always when things go wrong in professional sports, it reflects poorly on the manager or the head coach. And there's been absolutely zero talk, zero questioning of John Gibbons. I, I mean, fairly or unfairly, you can sit on whatever side of the fence you want in that argument. If you're a Gibbons supporter, good on you. He's a nice guy, popular. People like him. I get the appeal. But this is professional sports we're talking about. And whether you're representing your club team or your national team, when your team fails, doesn't live up to expectation, the manager or coach goes. Yet there's been no talk whatsoever. Instead, the conversation goes to buying and selling. Because that's the way that you beat around the bush. Because none of us know what the market is like, what they're being offered. Give me an offer and I'll tell you what they should do. The the conversation in this market around Marco Estrada is the most hilarious one. Because it went from sitting here in this chair, talking to people about the Blue Jays, people calling up and telling me, I'd rather Marco Estrada pitch a postseason game than David Price. Because people are like, oh, David Price can't pitch in the postseason. Not to mention, this is David freaking Price we're talking about, not Marco Estrada. People fell in love with Marco People believed he was number one, number two. Now he's kind of gone back to the mean, gone back to kind of what he's been over the course of his of his career. And then people are like, oh, Marco Estrada, who cares about him? Really? Like the flip-flopping that goes on is just incredible. I just never bought into this team to begin with. But if you were someone that did, and there were plenty out there who were believers, well, then doesn't this 41-47 and 47 record reflect poorly on the manager? 416-870-1050, toll free at 1-855-591-6876. Got to bring this up because, I mean, this was a big topic last night. This woman that could have won, won a million dollars, and it was called back because of a penalty last night. 
I mean, there's been lots of talk about what should happen, and I get why that's a conversation today. But when we're talking about athletics, when we're talking about the competition, and this is what, where the focus should be here, is that officiating in football, in particular the CFL, nowhere near good enough. Football's a very difficult sport to officiate. I mean, you, you can call a penalty basically each and every play. There's, because, because of physical contact, is, is there movement? Is there holding? Is there pass interference? It's a difficult job. And being a referee, I think you need to be a special kind of masochist. To be masochistic to want to actually go and do that job because the only time that you're brought up is when you screw up. And last night was a screw up and it cost a woman money. But this should be a wake up call to the CFL, to all professional sports leagues. Your calls matter. You can't just throw flags on a whim because you think something's the case. I would rather see a sport which there were less penalties in hockey, less flags thrown. In football, less whistleblows or fouls called in basketball. Let there be a level of physicality. Let there be, let the game flow more than honestly seeing laundry on the field each and every time or hearing whistles for players and a parade to the penalty box. It's just, it, it's too much for me. And that's where the conversation should be today about the officiating. In the Canadian Football League, that, I mean that—that—that's the lead story from an athletic, from a sporting perspective. So four one six eight seven zero ten fifty and toll free at one eight five 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 nine one six eight seven six. Frank of Yorkdale, are are you at the mall right now? Well, actually, I'm driving by the mall to be honest. Which is always a nightmare. So you're probably doing more sitting than actual driving. Absolutely, I live in the neighborhood, so I know it well. <laughs> What's going on today, Frank? Well, you know, I, I really like all the all the. Uh, topics you raised. They're all uh, very interesting. I'm a big CFL fan. I have my own blog radio show, so nice. I've made a commitment to the league, um, and I've always you know, followed it very closely, and as far as the officiating is concerned, they seem that we seem to have in this league more problems, not with the officials making the call, but the, the video review has been, you know, the failure rate on video review no should kidding. be negligible, right? Should be yep. near zero, don't you think? Do you know what the do you know what the problem is, Frank? Like we brought in video replay, video technology in a number of sports, and they're trying this in soccer now. You cannot have video review for plays that are subjective, where it's a judgment call. It needs to be black and white. Foot out of bounds or not? Do you cross the goal line or not? That's why the whole concept of reviewing for pass interference, it's flawed. It, it totally is. And you're putting the referees and you're putting the video reviewers in a compromised position. Let me give you my view on what should happen. Sure. And, and, and it's very simple. If it takes a video review guy more than 30 seconds to decide on the play to alter the decision of the official then the official was right. If, they, if we can't make a determination within 30 seconds that that play was different than the referee saw it, then that play is the way the referee saw it. Because when we start getting involved in the minutia, that's when we start tripping all over ourselves, like I think you're indicating. What should happen, and like you said, it has to be black and white. And black and white means that you don't, you don't you know, err on the side of gray. I'm totally with you, but now that we have... I think there's a temptation 
now that we have video technology, to use it as much as possible. But a lot of times in these sports, like this isn't calling a ball and a strike. Like in no. baseball, for me, robo umpires behind the plate, you got it. Because pitch tracks, we know what's a ball and a strike. But whether the offensive player, defensive player makes contact first, things like that, I mean, it's subjective to the viewer, right? Like it's subjective right. to the case. And that's why you're seeing more and more calls be wrong and egg be on the face of the CFL and its officials. But you know what? The video review, if used properly, as an assistance to the official, as opposed to creating the official being subservient, to right? It, uh, you know that that in, in itself is the problem. We we need to use the video review to ensure that big mistakes aren't made. The little mistakes that they take too long to discover, totally, we're wasting time. I, I have many an old friend that wants to come back and follow the Argos, but. They become turned off by the video review delays during the game. There are so many stoppages for such a long stretch of a game that it really it, it takes away from the momentum that the game itself perpetuates by the great plays that are out there. Totally with you. Right Frank, last night's game seemed like it lasted a lifetime. Like it did, you know, and, and so many games are the same, and that absolutely contributes to the holdup. Great call, Frank. Good luck with your driving today. Great stuff. Good luck with your podcast, too. Okay, buddy? Yep, thank you. Frank at Yorkdale, 416-870-1050. Let's go to the Hammer. Will in Hamilton. What's going on today, Will? Hey, how's it going, man? Good, dude. The floor is yours. All right, yeah, so I'm calling about the, uh, the Argos game last night, too, about that ridiculous yep. call. I mean, it's gone to the point. I love the CFL. Let's just start with that. But it's gone to the point where every play you're expecting a penalty. Every kick, totally. every kick return, you're expecting it to get called back. And, you know, that, that call last night, I got to say, if, that, if, if no response happens, if, if this isn't the catalyst for change for the officiating in the CFL, I don't think anything ever will, man. What would you like to see change? I agree with your point about, like, just call less calls. I mean, even if, like, some mistakes happen, you know, just... Every sport, just make less calls. Let them play. Let the guys yeah, play. Let them play. <laughs> Football's like the, it's like the most aggressive sport out there. Of course you can call a penalty on every play. Doesn't mean you have to, though. It drives me crazy in basketball, too. Like, sorry to get off football because, yeah, you could blow the whistle or throw a flag each and every play in football. In basketball, the argument is that you need to call so many fouls so so you can let the star players play. How about have these players play through contact, play through adversity? That's what made a guy like Michael Jordan great, is he had to fight through physical play. To me, it's a skill set, and now we've gone completely soft on all fronts. And and, and the no the instinct is to call a foul, call a penalty first, rather than to let it go. And that's a severe problem. Like, at the end of the day, these people are paying to go see the players play, not to see the Zebras call a game the way they want. Totally with you, buddy. Uh, great yeah. stuff. We see eye-to-eye on this one. Thanks for the call, Will. Enjoy your weekend, okay? Cheers, man. Uh, texts are coming in about the Blue Jays. Uh, Jody hit me up on Twitter. Looking to bring out the Gibby haters, are you? No. Actually, when a team doesn't achieve, doesn't have a level of success, it always goes back to the coaching. I'm sorry, are you new to professional sports? 
Are you new to this morning landscape? When the expectation is to win and you don't, it falls on the shoulders of the manager of the coach. This isn't a new concept. Sorry if you can't keep up. More Blue Jays talk coming up in a few moments. Uh, Toronto FC, big day for them. They announced a couple contract extensions. Bill Manning will join us in about 20 minutes' time. But I wanted to take some time. It is GOT7. Like, it sends chills through my body because winter's coming. Game of seven, a uh, game of game of seven, Game of Thrones, season seven, Sunday night, HBO Canada. Uh, it's the most popular television show of all time. It's gone to another level. I think something beyond anyone expected when we originally were introduced to the Starks, House Lannister, and this weekend's huge. Like I'm basing my week. I turned down a ticket. To Metallica on Sunday so I can stay at home and watch Game of Thrones. My good buddy, Adam Proto, it's been for a while since I've seen Adam, at Prototype, has wrote a number of pieces on Game of Thrones Season 7. He sat down with the cast in London last month, and Adam Proto, at Prototype on Twitter, joins me on the line right now. Adam, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for Sunday night? Uh, probably all the scales, all the <laughs> scales in the world. I think, uh, uh, as you say, it's been what more than a year now since the last new episode came out, and um, you know we might have to wait even longer for the final season. Apparently, it might not be out till 2019. So, um, you know, you got to make the most of these seven episodes, and uh, it's just a, it's just a treat for the senses. For our listeners, and some of them may have not never seen Game of Thrones before, but they've certainly heard of it. And to the mm-hmm. diehards out there, I need. I mean, you've explained it on Twitter. You've done so well maybe you can explain to people what the attraction is to this series and why it's taken television to another level yeah well you know what gareth i think with this show in particular i mean and i've gone through the spectrum with people right where you you kind of introduce it to people and they the first reaction is dungeons and dragons like come on i have no interest in the fantasy world i'm not a geek i don't want to have anything to do with this and then you kind of introduce them and say well sit down and watch maybe the first couple episodes of the first season and and see if it doesn't grab you and and usually they're hooked pretty quickly because it's not you know it isn't just that typical lord of the rings fish type of stuff which i i liked why i wasn't really that much into it's it's a, a lot uh gorier a lot nastier a lot more cerebral um and it's it's sorry you know it's ultimately a drama i think first and foremost that you know, you see these people um, trying to make their way through a, a fantasy world. You know, I know you mentioned I, I got a chance to talk to the cast in London a little while ago, and and you know, one of the cast members basically said the appeal for Game of Thrones is that it's nobody's world, right? It's not like this is Baltimore and The Wire, and somebody can kind of compare themselves to living in Baltimore, that type of thing. It's this kind of you know strange and odd world where you know people are are trying to survive and thrive and and avoid being murdered or, you know, just having the, the cruel hand of fate, you know, take your head off. So I think when you when you look at that and, and you see, you know, the quality of acting, the quality of uh, of the production, which, you know, I've mentioned a number of times, I think is, is second to none on, on any any scope. Uh, to me, it's not hard to see why people have, have bought in so, so deeply. Adam Proto joining us talking Game of Thrones Season 7. Um, I, I feel like it's a lot like sports because you become aligned with characters or groups <laughs> right. of characters on the show, really, and mm-hmm. you support them either to gain power 
or merely survive, not not be killed <laughs> off. Like I, I feel like the affiliation is that strong, and I don't think I'm putting it mildly. No, not at all. I mean, there are people, and that was something that I did for the uh, the Toronto Star this week about you know the five characters that we'd least want to see die, and and that's the thing with Game of Thrones, right? People, the showrunners established very very quickly that anybody can die. This is not a movie or a product where you know you can sit back and rest assured that the top stars, the people that receive you know the most hype or the, the top billing on the marquee, always survive. They don't. Uh, they can be kind of erased off the map instantly and gruesomely. And and, uh, you know, you can see, uh, you know, uh, any types of scenarios where that would happen again. So I think people are, uh, you know, that, that kind of puts you on your edge, that that, you know, that keeps you kind of fresh and vibrant as a viewer to think, you know, you really don't know what's happening next. And, you know, to your point, you, you know, they fleshed out these these characters, even the, even the secondary characters are so well created, um, so kind of uh, uh, three-dimensional um, that you can't help but, but root for them. You can't help but, um, you know, care about them and, and be interested in them and ultimately, you know, want to see them again. So uh, I've been asking our listeners to send me who they want to see end up on the Iron Throne. And, and this is kind of, this is kind of the, the magic behind this with two seasons to go. You want right. to see who ends up with all the power survive, but then mm-hmm. you also have that other conversation about the White Walkers <laughs> and now winter's coming. I, I right. mean, what, where do you see this going, Adam? Like, what's going to be the bigger conversation? Is it that battle to survive against those beyond the wall, or is it still the battle between houses struggling and grappling for power? Yeah, I think probably the latter, as, as uh, season seven begins. And, you know, I think bear in mind that a lot of these episodes this season are almost going to be, you know, full length movie uh, types of shows in terms of runtime, um, well over 60 minutes in a lot of cases. So you're going to get to see, you know, longer episodes. And, and I think at the start, at least you're, you're still going to see that battle for power, you know, kind of between the, the warring factions. But uh, I think in, in fairly short order, they're going to be overwhelmed by those white walkers that, you know, if people saw the last season with um, Hard Home and, and got a chance to see, you know, just how insane the, that that element of the show is and how overwhelming it is, you know, they're not going to have any choice. You will either have to, to work together or you will perish fairly quickly. So I think by the time we get to season eight, you'll probably see, you know, people have, will have come together. Um, and it'll be a question of, of you know, battling on a, on a gigantic scale or, uh, you know, or if they don't do it, there'll be, uh, as someone said, I think even in the previews, Davos, another one of the characters said, it won't matter who's on the Iron Throne. It's right. a skeleton, you know, if it's a skeleton or a White Walker sitting on it. It must have been pretty cool going to London and meeting these cast members because, like, this week I saw Varys wearing a Manchester United jersey. I was like, oh, Varys oh, really? is a Manchester United, a United fan. Yeah. But, like, in real life, I mean, they must just feel so blessed to be part of such a production. They really were, and it was. Uh, this is the second year in a row I've kind of got to go to London to see, you know, different cast members. There's usually about ten or eleven each time, and and it puts you up in this kind of swanky London hotel downtown. Nice. And, uh, um, yeah, and you get to sit. You know, I sat beside Sansa this year, and and you know, tried not to ogle her, and I tried to, uh, you know, <laughs> I tried not to be frightened out of my mind sitting beside the Hound. He was such a nice guy, um, but hugely imposing, right? Like he really is six foot six. Um, you know, and just kind of cast the shadow as he walks down the halls. But they're all incredibly nice people. They're very, I think, thankful. And, you know, even a guy like Samuel Tarley was, was so great to talk to because 
you know, they are Game of Thrones fans too. It's not like they just see this as their moneymaker. They, you know, they understand the, the literary side of things with George R. R. Martin's books. They understand that, um, you know, the people have really, you know, um, invested their, t- their time and energy. And I think there was even the first Game of Thrones convention this summer, Gareth, in Nashville uh, about three weeks ago where, they, you know, they had the first gathering of um, of Game of Thrones fans on a global scale. They had some cast members out there. Um, so I think this is something that's probably only going to grow over the years. And, and, you know, even though there's only, again, seven episodes this year, six episodes in the final season, um, they're talking spinoffs. They're totally. talking different elements. I think, you know, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg in terms of where this is going. Okay, Proto, we'll end on this. Put mm-hmm. you on the hot seat. <laughs> Who are you rooting for? What do you want to see go down? Uh, I'm always rooting for the Hound. He's been my Twitter avatar around this time of year for a long time now because he's such a great character. He's almost yeah. like a like an old film noir uh, detective. You know, he's got all the cool kind of catchphrases before he chops somebody's head off. So uh, I want to see the Hound. I want to see him battle his brother. The, you know, the, now the zombified mountain. Um, I want to see that kind of Clegane bowl go down. Um, I'd be crushed if Tyrion didn't make it till the end. He's such a great character totally. is an unbelievable actor and and i kind of want to see cersei get her just desserts even though they've humanized her she's a you know a real evil uh so and so and i think she's got to uh, to pay the price for a lot of crimes so uh some vengeance but mostly you know you want to see some happiness for some of the people that have suffered the most yeah i guess uh, I, I got my top five characters the, the hound makes my top five at number one little finger of no, course no oh, you like little finger love yeah. little finger oh, yeah. uh Tyrion. I, I'm, a, I'm a Jamie Lannister fan, so I guess I'm cheering for the Lannisters. Jamie, hey, you know what? That uh, Nikolai Coster Waldo. It's funny. I talked to somebody the other day about this. The guy is so handsome that you forget what a great actor he is. Totally, I mean, he really has has humanized that role too. Uh, the Hound makes my top five, and then you got to have Jon Snow, right? So, of course, but unlike of you, I'm just not an Arya. I'm not a Sansa Stark guy. Not at no, all. No, the Starks are a little too earnest for me. And, totally. Uh, uh, you know, with with Littlefinger, he, Aiden Gillen was out at that at the latest. Uh, uh, media availability, and he was probably the coolest one of the bunch. Like he had the Hollywood kind of veneer to him, and cool. uh, I had to ask him about the wire too. And, and yes. he was even in the you know the Batman movie with Bane getting thrown out of the plane. So uh, um, that guy's had some f- pretty fantastic roles. Over he, the years, he was right? in he was in the Cigaros uh, music video as well. He's That's done right. everything. That's He's right. a really That's cool right. guy. He's a super dude. Awesome. Proto enjoyed on Sunday. Read Adam's fine work on Game of Thrones Season 7 on the Toronto Star, in the paper, on the website. Follow him on Twitter, at Prototype as well. Thanks for doing this, pal. Really appreciate it. Great to talk to you, Gareth. Enjoy it. Adam Proto, talking a little Game of Thrones here. Listen, like, no offense to the sports world. No offense to Mayweather McGregor. We've seen three of them. Whatever happens this afternoon in London, okay. Like, look, Federer's going to end up in the Wimbledon final. We get it. He's going to win. Venus is going to win. I get it. The Blue Jays stink. Like, having hope that they're going to, like, do something. They, they, their next 10 games are away from home. And people are expecting this team to go on a run for the All-Star break. Simply not having it. It's, it's Game of Thrones, kids, this weekend. So, thank you for indulging. Um, I do have a Kit Harrington story. You know the guy that plays Jon Snow? Do you, I know you guys don't watch Chris, Keith. You know who Kit Harrington is, right? He was in Pompeii. I, I always think, think of that song by Bastille now, Pompeii. Um, he was filming it here in Toronto. And I was out with a friend of mine. It's going to sound like I'm name dropping, like a lot, but there's like actual story here. Um, 
I was out with a friend of mine, and then we ended up meeting up with Rachel McAdams later on. And Hollywood's close, and I guess Kid and Rachel got to know one another, so they were buddies, and we all got together. So I was in a crowd with with Rachel McAdams, Kid Harrington, and a bunch of friends. And it ended up at the end of the night, it was me chaperoning Jon Snow and Rachel McAdams. I'm like, it was just us three. We were the best trilogy since Rush in the city of Toronto. I'm just throwing that out there. And it was cool. We like closed, we, we were, well, closed the bar. We were just having like, you know, it wasn't a massive party night, but we were just hanging out. Kid and I like exchanged numbers. We hung out a couple times after, but we come out of the bar and there was like a fight on the street. I don't know what was happening. A police horse came up and was galloping. Like, it was going all, it was going nuts. Right in front of me, and I played hero. I kept Rachel and Jon Snow behind me as I was going to be the front line of defense in case this horse came too close. It's probably like the foot away or so, and they just, I, I like, I put myself as a human shield because I'm like, this world needs Jon Snow and Rachel McAdams more than it needs me. It's based on the story. It wasn't that great, but. It was a great night. I just, it was one of those moments where, like, what am I doing here with these two? Didn't really make much sense. Anyways, it was a good time nonetheless. Both of them survived, and Game of Thrones Season 7 starts Sunday. Bill Manning, the president of Toronto FC, checks into the program next. A couple of extensions given out, well deserved ones at that, to the head coach and the general manager of the club. Some TFC talk next on TSN 1050. Do you know what's funny? I was singing Bastille. I was trying to do the Pompeii. Oh, 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 oh. Do you know what's Bastille Day in France today? Where Trump was there yesterday. Tyler hitting me up saying I should sing more. Do you guys agree? Thumbs up, thumbs up. More Pompeii? No guy. Come on. But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes, I need the background. Come on, Pompeii. Bastille? No? A for effort on that one. I'm grading myself, okay? Uh, Gareth Wheeler with you. Uh, look, it's, it's been a bye week in Major League Soccer, but Toronto FC has been busy including three of their players featuring for the Canadian men's national team who plays tonight against Honduras, 10 p.m., Frisco, Texas, um, in the Gold Cup. It's Canada looking in a really good position to advance with a decent seed into the next round of the competition. Multiple players away on international duty, and TFC not playing until next Wednesday, but the news keeps on pouring in when it comes to TFC. They signed a new player, Nico Hasler, yesterday. From Liechtenstein, he's an international player. The team's excited about him, as well as handing out well-deserved contract extensions to their head coach, Greg Vanny, and their general manager, Tim Bezbachenko. This Toronto FC team is joint leaders atop the table in MLS with the Chicago Fire. They picked up right where they left off on that run to the MLS Cup, and they've already qualified for the CONCACAF Champions League next year. These are big, important times for the club, and we're thrilled to have the Prez, 
the president, the guy that oversees it all, Bill Manning, joining us here on Toronto today. Another big day for the club, Bill. Congratulations. Yeah, no, it's a really good day for the club, and, and it gives us stability uh, for the next few years. Um, you know, as you know, I've enjoyed my working relationship with both Greg and Tim, and it was kind of fate accompli, you know, for a while now, but uh, we just wanted to make sure that, that all the I's got dotted and the T's got crossed and made the announcement. Um, but we've been um, operating, um, you know, for the last couple of months knowing this was going to get done, and uh, I'm really happy to announce it today. There, there's two S words that come to mind when it comes to this team. It's success now, Bill, and the word that you just used, stability. How did Tim and Greg, you know, and, and yourself, when you came in, how did you create a stable atmosphere at a club which was known for change more so than anything else before you three took on those roles? Yeah, well, and, and that was my objective when I came in. You know, when I looked at TFC from the outside and when I was considering coming here, um, I felt the last thing they needed was more Tim were the right guys. Um, and I was able to quickly kind of evaluate that, and I felt that that Greg and Tim were the right guys to be guiding the, the on-field product. And, um, you know, I, I felt Greg needed some more time as, as head coach to continue to grow in his role. Um, and Tim, um, I felt, had had really started to lay the foundation from a player personnel standpoint. Um, and the key was, was their ability to work with me and, and, and um, kind of create a trio of, of, of brain power to make sure we're making the right decisions. And we've worked very well together, and, and it's very well, well-deserved extensions for both these guys. The president of Toronto FC, Bill Manning, joining me on Toronto Today, I am Wheeler. Uh, when you come to the club from the outside, you might have an idea about what these individuals are all about. It's a small world after all, Bill, but working with them on a day-to-day, you got to learn so much more about what they bring to the table. So what's kind of surprised you or stood out to you about each individual that's been parlayed into team success? Um, you know, with Greg, I got to know Greg a little bit. Um when he was in Arizona, he had uh, he was him and a guy by the name of Ron Burks who owned um, Grande Sports World um, really started our RSL Academy, and so I, I I was impressed with Greg from the beginning when I first met him. Um, he was cre- clearly a bright guy, a student of the game. Um, I felt that. He knew what it was like to elevate from being a player and to being an executive. You know, I joked he wore a tie and a suit and tie the first time I saw him. Um, but that told me something, right? And he was serious about what he wanted to do post-playing career. And so the more I've gotten to know Greg here, um, we are completely aligned in terms of his um, competitiveness and his will to win. Um, and that is, you know, right now, and you've been here enough, it, 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 it breathes through this entire facility um, is is our our desire to win, and you know what if you ask me for a surprise, I think greg's um, is very, very bright in terms of how he evaluates the game and studies the game and dissects a game um, you know and and he's he's very detailed and he sees a lot of little nuances that, that maybe skip a, a lot of us. And that's really impressed me about him. 
um, with Tim is I actually didn't realize what uh, soccer background Tim had um, before I worked with him here. And he, he can play uh, a little bit. Uh, he can Bill. play. You know, Tim. Uh, Tim was Division One soccer player in NCAA. He played in the United Soccer League. Um, you know, we ball around on Fridays here, and he's a uh, uh, he's a good ball player. And and you know, immediately, you know, he and I kind of shared a little bit of a bond there as a, as an ex player. Um, and you know, you you. Yeah, sometimes you just look at someone a little bit differently, and and I really trust his judgment um, in evaluating players and in evaluating talent. Um, one because he played the game um, and he was a good player, and he understands the nuances of of man management and and players in a locker room and 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 how guys uh, prepare. Um, and then you know he's grown into his role as a general manager, and and with his legal background, he can handle contracts and. Negotiations and so on, uh, but it was his playing that that I didn't know much about before I came here that I've been really surprised by and 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 happy with. Bill, the extensions are well deserved. There's no doubt about that. But also, these extensions tell me that you believe that you form the team, the form the group that can meet or help this club reach its ambitions. Because this is an ambitious club. It's about yep. winning the MLS Cup. It's about going beyond. You're going to be in the Concacaf Champions League next year. Is that the message that you're trying to tell the greater football yeah. world that this is our group, we're confident, and we're really moving in the right direction here? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, these are, these are the guys that that are, are going to help lead our franchise forward and, and, and working with me and, and, and uh, you know, under the leadership of uh, um, our board of directors. Um, but this is the group, and we're going to go and, and, and we're going to, um, you know, we talk about it all the time. We, we want to compete for championships, and, and I'm confident we're going to win some championships. We've already won a couple of Canadian championships under this group, and um, I still think the best is yet to come. And, and what I um, is that we have a very stable uh, brain trust in the front office um, and on the field, obviously, with Greg. And, um, you know, I feel very confident that we can continue to have on-field success for the foreseeable future. You also have a very young team. I mean, your three DPs are still all on the right side of the age of 30. I'm guessing that extends out to Javinko, Alter, or Bradley. I mean, the commitment's there to all your star players to continue to build forward together. Yeah, no, it is. And, and, you know, the interesting thing as I, I looked at our team, though, um, is as we, you know, we get into 2019, 2020 and beyond, um, some players will age out, right? And, and I felt we needed the, to have these guys in place as we continue to fine-tune this team and as we continue to, um, you know, keep it a competitive team um, because, you know, I, I don't want to go into a period which generally happens when you get new head coaches or new general managers or, or new presidents, for that matter, um, rebuilding, right? And so I want to uh, have stability and, and that we're always fine-tuning. And as we age out some of our players, Greg and Tim and, and, and myself, we know this team as well as anyone and we'll know what it means and I think you've seen that by some of the recent acquisitions we've made over the past you know at least the past 12 months um, that we're very much in line on what this team needs to continue advancing forward and I just you know for me it was um, 
for me, it was exactly what I wanted to do when I first came here was to have a stable head coach, have a stable general manager um, that that knows this team in and out and, and, and knows what it takes to win, being the operative word. You said that you know you can look ahead and you're always planning ahead, but you're also living in the moment as well. Yeah. And your team, like I said, you and the Chicago Fire, joint leaders atop the MLS table, you're battling for the best record in the league, the Supporters' Shield right now. Do you believe your team is good enough as is to go on and win it? Or with the transfer window now, you brought in a young player, 26-year-old Nico Hasler yesterday. Are you done or do you feel like you need to add something else to take advantage of the fact the window's open now for this team? No, I think this team can, can win as it is right now. Um, you know, Nikki comes in and, and gives us uh, some relief, especially with Steven, um, you know, being on the shelf. Uh, but this team can win right now, and, and I think it can win multiple trophies. Um, it's it's as, as deep as, as any team that I've been around and, and, and that I've seen in this league, um, and it has great character. I mean, this team has proved over and over again never to count it out, uh, that it does have the will to win. And so we feel very good about it. With that said, you know, we always looking to fine tune or if we can make ourselves better, of course, but we're not on the lookout for it right now. We've made, you know, we, we were going to, we were going to add a right back in this window anyway. And, and Nikki had been on our radar screen for, for a while. Um, and, and we, you know, obviously we had that lined up that we were able to make it within three days of the window opening. Um, we're pretty set right now, you know, salary cap wise, we don't have a lot of wiggle room. Um, you know, I don't, you know, we're getting calls from a number of different teams and in terms of moving players and so on, but we're very reluctant to do that. The, the camaraderie and the, 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 the togetherness of this group is, is very, very strong. And so you, you know, you just need to be careful. Um, you know, when when you make moves, There's, we got a good thing going right now. Absolutely, I, I call him Nico. By the way, I told him that yesterday. I gave him the option, right? Nicholas, Nick, Nikki, but yeah. I just went with Nico because he was like, "Oh, you can call me whatever." But yeah. <laughs> it's got the European flair. Bill, this guy speaks Spanish. He speaks German. I believe he speaks Italian as well. He speaks four or five different languages. Nico, it works. Yeah, yeah. No, he's and he's 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 happy to be here. <laughs> um, you know, his team. He was with his his last team for a number of seasons and they got relegated um, and and he was ready for another challenge and, and uh, he's, he's fared well the first few days of practice um, he's feeling good and it's just another piece for us to continue forward on this uh, journey to hopefully winning some trophies. Bill, let's end on this. And, and oftentimes you'll hear it from the non-soccer fan or the person that likes to try to put the sport down for whatever reason. I don't quite understand that. But, oh, look at the players diving around. It's not a tough guy sport. Well, <laughs> you just mentioned Stephen Betasher, who suffered a lacerated pancreas while playing in the Canadian Championship Final. Yeah, finished the game. Finished the game, celebrated that night. And drove himself to hospital the next day. Perhaps yeah. you could just just you know the guy very well. Just mention the toughness and how he embodies and represents everything that's going on at the club right now. Oh man, you know Stephen is is a warrior. You know that's the, the best word I can use for him. He's uh, he's one of these guys that you know maybe doesn't show up in the statistical um, sheets. Uh, but he's a guy that you want on your team and, and you want in your locker room. And he's a, he's a friggin' warrior. And, you know, 
the hit that he got, you know, they said his injury is what they see from car accidents, you know, that type of trauma. Crazy. Um, and for this kid, you know, it's funny. He told me I visited him in the hospital and I asked him, how the heck did you get in? He actually, I don't know if they show it on video anyway, but he took um, Red Bull. He drank Red Bull to get his his kind of to finish out that game to help his his uh, you know mojo and 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 to kind of get his uh, uh, juices flowing and wow. it's kind of kind of funny that uh, uh, little known secret there. But he um, he finished out that game, you know, and it's just amazing. So he's uh, he's a warrior. Red Bull gives you wings. It also has healing power as well. It, 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 incredible. <laughs> Sounds like a natural partnership or sponsorship there, Bill. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's just, uh, I got to call it like it is. I mean, that's what he told me, and I'm like, wow, that is something. Well, congrats on another uh, big day uh, for the club. Uh, it's been an exciting, I guess, de facto first half of the season. Cannot wait to see what's in store here going down the stretch. Thanks for this, Bill. All right. Thanks, Gareth. The president of Toronto FC, Bill Manning, joining us here on Toronto Today. A lacerated pancreas. Are you kidding? Bill said it like this is an injury people suffer or experience in car crashes. And, and, I, and I actually chatted with Steve, and he's like, yeah, doctors say they sometimes see this for stab wounds. This happened on the field, and he finished the game, and he helped lead the team to a championship. It, it, incredible. In front of like a crazy crowd at BMO Field. Toronto FC's like Hansel. It's so hot right now. Get on board. Uh, if not, well, you're lost. You're the one that's missing out. Um, we'll close up the, sh- up, uh, uh, up the show uh, with WTF, the incoherent, the inconceivable, the interesting, all wrapped into one. That's coming up next. Toronto Today. I'm Wheels. This is TSN 1050. Scott MacArthur Show, a.k.a. the Mike Hogan Variety Hour, coming up at 1 p.m. today as we roll on here on TSN 1050. I forgot to talk to Proto earlier about Ricky Gervais. Brilliant Massey Hall tomorrow. My wife actually surprised me with those tickets. She's like, I know how big of a fan or what big of a fan you are of Ricky. Let's go. I don't even think she's a fan. But my wife taking one for the team, taking me out date night, Saturday night, Ricky Gervais. Cannot wait for that. Um, I intentionally, by the way, have not got into Mayweather McGregor today. All I want to say is Conor McGregor's not racist. Okay, let's. We, we've got to a point here in 2017 where you spin words or what's said to fit your argument. That's it. Conor McGregor's Irish, like, that matters in how and what you say and the interpretation of it, okay? I just, I'm going to leave that out there. Just absolutely preposterous, some of the conversation I've heard this morning. It's just, it's, it's too much. Um, speaking of things that make you scratch your head, it's time now for this. What the they defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19-1. to Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before. And that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me. And I'm both of them. 
Stay off the weed. WTF. Yeah, this is WTF. Uh, I can't say WTF enough when it comes to the fascination with Lonzo Ball's shoes. Summer league, summer league is summer league, okay? It's not about star performances, but it's Lonzo Ball all the time. And it's a big deal. He played one bad game in summer league when he was wearing his own shoes. But since then, he's worn the Kobe's and the James Harden's. And he's put up triple doubles. Thursday night against the Cavs, finished with 16, 12, and 10. And this is supposedly supposed to indicate that he can't play with wearing his own shoes. Really? Maybe it was just his first summer league game and he didn't play well. Maybe he's just trying on some new gear. The story is being blown way out of proportion. WTF. Wimbledon pro... Okay, we all know how stuffy Wimbledon is. It's like... You can't make a noise. There was there was an issue at Wimbledon earlier. Was that earlier this week or last week? Where they had to stop play because a champagne bottle was popped in one of the private boxes. So that was a big deal. Are you kidding me? Is it that stuffy? And that would only happen at Wimbledon. And you know they have a strict dress code. They all have to wear white. But on Wednesday and Thursday, the commitment to these rules was taken a bit further. On Wednesday, while competing in the boys' doubles tournament at Wimbledon, top-seeded 18-year-olds, their names were Pyros and Yibing. They were forced to put their match on hold after being pulled over by the rules official. Their violation? Underwear. Yes, underwear that did not comply with Wimbledon's rule book. The pair were handed fresh white briefs and asked to leave the court and get changed. The fashion police booking these two for not wearing tidy whities Is that taking this dress code a little bit too far? Uh, yeah. The latest installment of the world that is Trump. He told the France's first lady yesterday as he was saying goodbye. You know you're in such great shape. You're absolutely beautiful. What? Is that what you say to the president of France, his wife? Uh, I guess he doesn't really care. Melania is still with him, so quite frankly, it doesn't matter. How about this story? I, I, I don't even know how this happens. A Texas man who became trapped inside an ATM machine. Yeah, he got tra- trapped inside an ATM machine. He slipped notes to customers via the receipt slot, pleading for them to help him escape. The contractor became stuck Wednesday when he was changing a lock to a Bank of America room that leads to the back of the ATM in Corpus Christi. He couldn't get himself out. I'm claustrophobic. I I, I don't know even what I would have done. He didn't have a card key or a key card, and he was unable to notify bank employees for help. And he left his cell phone and his swipe card he needed in his truck. So he was passing out notes saying, please help, I'm stuck in here. I don't have a phone. Please call my boss. Some customers thought it was like a gag. This is the problem with just for laugh gags, because you never know what's real and what's true. Finally, someone called the police because they detected his faint voice coming from inside the ATM machine. And they eventually opened up and everything was okay. Crazy. How about Tim Tebow, everyone? Everyone has loved the crap on Tim Tebow. But since being promoted to high A St. Lucie with the Mets, he's putting on a show. Hits in 11 straight games and a walk-off home run last night. Think he's finding his legs? Like he's an extraordinary athlete. It's a walk-off 
Tim Tebow. Maybe he can actually play baseball. Um, how about this fake outrage for P.K. Subban being interviewed at the ESPYs? It was warm outside. Do we have this audio? This is what actually, and this parlays into my Conor McGregor topic. This is what he said that got people up in arms. If you could imagine, it's hotter outside than Lindsey Vaughn looks today, which is pretty hot. So, yeah. Is that really demeaning? Come on, like she's an attractive woman? To me, that's not offside. He's, not, he's acknowledging a, a truth. Doesn't mean that she can't play sports or anything sexist like that. She's an attractive woman. PK, don't let the haters hate, buddy. Don't let the haters hate. And those were today's WTFs. Wow, that's messed up. Very messed up. Uh, I'm out of here. Enjoy your weekend, Toronto. It's the Indy, Ricky Gervais, Game of Thrones, Metallica. Whatever you do, go out and enjoy. I want to thank Chris behind the glass, sitting in for Scrizzy, and the one, the only, Keith Bauer. On behalf of everyone here at TSN 1050, I am Gareth Wheeler. Enjoy the rest of your day, Toronto.